Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi there, welcome back to the Old Testament podcast. This is going to be for Esther chapter 1. So we're going to be getting into this whole new book here and uh, see how this goes. I'm sure you've seen the video about uh, the movie about Esther. Uh, so this will be the this will be a good story. Now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus. This is Ahasuerus which reigned from India even unto Ethiopia over a hundred <clears throat> and seventy and twenty provinces. That in those days when the king Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, or Susa, i.e. the capital of Persia, the palace. In the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all his princes and his servants, the power of Persia and Media, the nobles and princes of the provinces being before him. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even an hundred and four score days, and when these days were expired, the king made a feast unto all the people that were present in Shushan, the palace, both unto great and small, seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace, where were white, green, and blue hangings, fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rings and pillars of marble. The beds were of gold and silver upon a pavement of red and blue and white and black and marble. They, they, and they gave them drink in vessels of gold, the vessels being diverse one from another, and royal wine in abundance according to the state of the king. And the drinking was according to the law, None, get, none, get, none did compel, for so the king had appointed to all the officers of his house that they should do according to every man's pleasure. Also Vashti, the queen, made a feast for the women in the royal house, which belonged to King Ahasuerus. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mahuman, Biztha, Harbona, Bigtha, and Abag. Ab- Abagtha, Zethar, and Carcas, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus the king, to bring Vashti the queen before the king with the, royal, with the crown royal, to show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look on. But the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlain. The men were, likely, were most likely so drunk that, they, that she did not want to dignify them with her presence. Therefore was the king very wroth, and his anger burned in him. The book of Esther opens with the description of a grand banquet in the opulent courts of Susa, called Shushan, palace of the great Persian emperor Ahasuerus. This name is a Hebrew transliteration of the Persian Kisayarsha, that's easy, okay, better known in history as Xerxes, the Greek form of the name. Most scholars place the events recorded in the book of Esther between about 482 B.C. and 478 B.C. One feature of the banquet was a large amount of wine, which, according to one translation of verse 8, was to be given to the guests in any quantity they desired. That was probably the reason for Queen Vashti's refusal to appear. After seven days of heavy drinking, the guests were probably quite inebriated, and she may have considered it beneath the dignity of the queen to parade before such a lot simply to display her beauty. 
That was out of the Institute Manual. Verse 13, Then the king said to the wise men, which knew the times, for so was the king's manner toward all that knew law and judgment. And the next unto him was Karshena, Shethar, Admatha, and several other guys, uh, the seven princes of Persia and Media, which saw the king's face, and which saw the first in the kingdom. Which, what shall we do unto the queen, unto queen, unto the queen Vashti, according to law, because she hath not performed the commandment of the king Ahasuerus by the chamberlains? And Memucan answered before the king and the princes, Vashti the queen hath not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and to all the people that are in the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. For this deed of the queen shall come shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes, when it shall be reported. The king commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media say that day, this day unto all the king's princes, which have heard of the deed of the queen, thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. If it please the king, let there, be, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that it be not altered, that Vashti come no more before, king, before the king, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she." Queen Vashti's refusal to obey a direct summons of the king may, may engender the sympathy of modern readers, but in an age when women were expected to be subservient and when an emperor had absolute power over life and death, her stubbornness is surprising. But the reaction of the assembly is not too surprising. The men present at the banquet immediately sensed that such independence of spirit in Vashti, who was unquestionably envied by, uh, by the other women of the empire, would, in, would inspire a similar independence of spirit in their wives. If Vashti's rebelliousness, as viewed by these men, were to go unpunished, they knew it would inspire similar responses in their wives. Therefore, they pushed the king for action and particularly asked for a decree that could not be altered. That was by Kiel and Delich. They explained that, that, uh, why that edict was important. An edict issued by the king, entered among the laws of the Persians and Medes, and sealed with the royal signet, does not pass away, i.e. it remains in force, is irre irre irrevocable. The counselors pressed for the, for the issue of such an edict for the purpose of making it impossible to the king to take Vashti again un, into favor, lest they, should, lest they should experience her vengeance on the restoration of her influence. The king agreed the decree was made, and Vashti lost her, her place as queen, setting up the opportunity for Esther to be selected as one of the king's wives and eventually to save her people. And when the king's decree, which he, ha which he shall make, shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both to great and small. And the saying pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Memucan, for he sent letters into all the king's provinces, into every province according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language, that every man should bear rule in his own house, and that it should be published according to the language of every people. This made way for Esther to become one of the king's wives and eventually to save her people. So that's the end of chapter 1, and we'll see you next time. Bye.